We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank goodness it's great to be back. And uh, I tell you, there's so many things to cover, so many topics to cover, and we'll get to a lot of that. But first of all, let me say how grateful I am to be back with you all and the Pro-America Report. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Follow all the great interviews we've done, uh, including I'll talk a minute in a minute about Andrea, the great Andrea Kay, as well as our great producer, uh, Noah Dingley. Um, but so there's a lot there, ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, I, you know, I was thinking about this as I got ready to talk to you today. I started doing this show, the Daily Show, um, in I think it was November of 2017, so more than four years ago. And at about the four-year mark, as when I came down with this illness, I'll talk about it in a moment. But four years is a long time to do a show every day. And although I took some time off various times and had great support, I did it almost every day. And so I have had now, what, four and a half weeks off, um, four weeks off since um, since I had to take a break for health reasons. And it's been an extraordinary thing. I'll tell you two things. One, I slept a lot better. You know, doing radio every day, I remember the late Ed Schultz, who was a famous radio host and then an MSNBC host and also hosted a show for a few years over at RT America. And Ed Schultz told me once, he said, um, you have to get your body used to doing daily radio because it's kind of like a physical, um, like a sport. He was a big athlete. He was a, ba- a football player, a quarterback in his youth. So uh, anyway, it's great to be back with you. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report, ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, I did t- t- mention two things. I got lot- lots more sleep. And second thing, I kept wanting to talk to you. I kept wanting to get on and talk to you and talk to guests and figure out what's going on. And so I just found myself really craving getting back together and talking to you all. So I'm glad to be back. And let me just tell you, give you a quick thumbnail on what happened to me. When I was a boy, 10 years old, uh, the doctors found out that I had a heart murmur. And so they checked it out and they said, you know, every year you're going to have to come in and check on your heart. Make sure that your heart murmur, which is related to your aortic valve, that there's no trouble. So that was all through my whole life. Every year I go to the doctor and doctors say, no problem. And about 14 years ago, they looked at it and they said, yeah, there's a little bit of a problem. And back then, uh, at a great, with a great surgeon in St. Louis, I had to have my aortic valve replaced and I got it replaced with a uh, tissue valve. And so there it was. And, and for 14 years, it worked great. And the surgery was a big deal. Of course, it's open heart surgery and all back in uh, 2008, but I recovered fine and I went on and, you know, no limitations at all. Well, About Thanksgiving this year, I noticed that I was not catching my breath well. 
And although I'm not uh, in the best shape of my life, I'm in pretty good shape. I do a lot of walking, and and, uh, so I said, that's weird. And so I went in early for my doctor's appointment, and he said, yeah, there's something going on here. And make a long story short, the valve that I had 14 years ago, the aortic valve, uh, needed to be replaced again. And so that's what happened. And so uh, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, you know, adjusting to that. The surgery is the bigger hard part, uh, living with that, you know, going through that. Uh, I went in on December 22nd and had the surgery. Had to spend the Christmas in the hospital, which was no fun, but my family was able to come see me and all. But I will say, I want to say thank you to Andrea Kay and to Noah Dingley for keeping the show going. Andrea, of course, is a great host, uh, great, um, just a great interviewer. She's smart. She's tough. She's talented. She sees things in really unique ways. And her and Noah, who is, of course, our, our producer in this program, but also hers on her show, he did a great job, too. The two of them did a great job keeping the show going. Uh, it was extraordinary. And so thank you. Thanks to Steve Brodsky uh, and all the team over at uh, the Salem Radio Network and The Answer San Diego for keeping things going. And especially over in uh, St. Louis, uh, Joanna Spilger from our team, along with Ryan Height and uh, Gwen Kelly and Jordan Henry and others who kept us going uh, during the time I was away. So glad to be back. Uh, we'll be back in the saddle. And please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, check out all the interviews we're doing and what's going on and follow us on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, uh, Ed Martin Live on Facebook and all that jazz. All right. Well, so the first part of the program, of course, is what you need to know, the Daily Wink. And I've still been sending out those emails with the help of my team in St. Louis every morning. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up there and uh, get those interviews, uh, excuse me, get those emails every morning, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. East Coast time. You get an email, the Daily Wink, what you need to know. But that's what this segment is, too. So what what do we what do you need to know today? What is it you need to know? I mean, it feels like a million things have changed since I've been with you four weeks ago, five weeks ago. I mean, we have Glenn Youngkin as governor of uh, Virginia sworn in over the weekend. He immediately signed uh, eleven executive orders. The first three of them having to do with schools. Uh, we have Donald Trump having a massive rally in Arizona and huge response, huge crowds and all. We have, of course, the uh, January 6th anniversary. At the end of the program today, I'll do a little book review. Our great friend uh, Julie Kelly, at Julie underscore Kelly 2, is her Twitter handle. She wrote a book called January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. Her book is extraordinary. I have it. I bought two copies. I have one and I, I'm giving one away. Um, and so I'll talk about that later. So we made, all these things have happened, right? Lots of things have happened. Lots of sports, uh, college football, national championship, lots of uh, playoff football. Uh, the baseball is on uh, lockout or whatever it is. There's a million things going on. But what do you need to know today? What you need to know today, I'll tell you this, is the bottom is going out on Joe Biden like we've never seen happen to a president. And the reason why I want to underscore this for you is because the people who spent a better part of a year and a half, the last year and a half, complaining about Trump, but they were nominally Republican, people like Peggy Noonan, although I'm not sure she voted for Biden, but she certainly said Biden would be a, you know, a uniter. And then a whole bunch of the political pundits, they all said, well, you know, Biden will be a good guy. He'll be OK at this. He'll be he'll be good at this. It's total chaos. In the world, we have the Ukrainian uh, Ukraine situation as unstable as it could be. We have the Chinese uh, communists who are, you know, preparing. Who God knows what they'll do, but they're preparing for an Olympics, so they're not going to do anything till after that. But they, they, you know, we now know, and more has come out that it was the Chinese regime that likely didn't leak but created the Wuhan virus, 
And then on the, in the economy, you've got over the weekend, you've got uh, James Carville saying, look, the economy's in the tank and, and all these things that Biden said he was going to do. And then last week, he gave a speech where he, the guy who was friends with Strom Thurmond, then said that everybody else was racist if they weren't on his side now. And he's the bottom is going out so fast on Biden that I'm not sure we've ever seen an election cycle that's what's happening in 2022. Now, as I tell you, what you need to know is this looks like a repudiation of the Democrat Party's policies very broadly. The, the, the idea that he's lecturing America on voters' rights and when the last election, you know, many people, half the country, have questions about how well it was run. At the very least, we have Mark Elias, the Democrat lawyer, the uh, election lawyer, saying we, you know, we fortified the system. We gamed the system legally to our advantage. That's at, le- at the least. And then there's lots of people that have bigger questions. So we, we have, but here's what, here's what you need to know. As Biden is fading... The question becomes not, you know, this this ebbs and flows, right? Um, Obama won in 2008. By 2010, he, he lost a million, a gazillion seats, right? Um, you had uh, Trump win. And by the next uh, election cycle, 2018, he's losing a bunch of seats. This is a natural flow. But the question is, in, in those settings, Obama, even Trump, but certainly Obama for the Democrats, you had Clinton you had competent presidents that were able to react and change course and adjust. It looks like Biden is the opposite. He's doubling down on his failed policies. And so the question becomes not how bad they're going to lose. That's the clear. Excuse me, not that they're going to lose, but how bad they're going to lose. And more importantly, what is the shift then? Is it possible that this isn't just a, an, uh, an off year, you know, a midterm election, but a real shift? Because you're seeing numbers where Hispanic Americans, Americans, not illegals, are voting for, are saying they'll vote for a Republican. You're seeing the numbers on women. You're seeing the numbers on working folks. You're just seeing African Americans. And you're saying to yourself, are we watching a sort of transitional failure like we've never seen. Now, you'll, I'll remind you, I have told you that, uh, and you should read, this is one, what you need to know always. I'm not sure we're ever going to have presidents who do well for more than one term because the, the Klieg lights are too bright. They, you know, there's just too much going on. It's, it's too clear. But Joe Biden, what you need to know is he's failing epically and he's losing not just the pundits, but the people on his side. It's extraordinary. All right, we got to take a break. We got a great series of guests today. We'll talk a little pro life. We'll talk space uh, with uh, our friend Brandon Weikert, and we'll be right back. Zed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Our next guest is a woman who has. Well, I don't know if she liked the phrase. I'll say she's been in the trenches uh, in the pro-life movement. And as we are this week uh, seeing lots of conversations, lots of thoughts, and then the big march at the end of the week, the anniversary of the terrible Roe v. Wade and Dovey Bolton, we are talking about pro-life. And Teresa Barbale is the executive director of the Life Network of Southwest Florida. She's played a key role as uh, one of the people who helps the Collier Community Abstinence Program, one of Kathleen Sullivan's uh, great uh, efforts uh, and has been, like I said, Teresa's been working for pro-life uh, for a long time. Welcome to the program, Teresa. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's nice to have you. And so I'm interested as a, as a, well, as a young woman, a, a professional, as a mom, and as someone who has seen how grassroots works, in other words, and doesn't work sometimes, you know, when you're trying, you now have this uh, project that we're talking about uh, that is an app and it's designed to put young people or people together. So tell us about it. It's called Life Funder. Uh, LifeFunder.com is the website. I'll put it up on social media. And the app is, I think, uh, My Mentor is the app. My Mentor. Tell us about this. And, and more importantly, Teresa, how does it an extension of the things you're doing? How does it something that fits where you have come from and where you think we're going? So it's the My Mentor app. And we were... Uh, Blessed to have Life Funder, a part of LifeSite News, host us last week for an interview. Right. And we are a part of Abstinence Education, which is Kathleen Sullivan's wonderful achievement. And so we're completely blessed that we have been able to provide workbooks and videos and fight the secularized curriculum that is the brainchild of Planned Parenthood. That is how they make clients. But what I began to see was that they're gone all digital. So throughout, especially 2020 and the COVID pandemic, Planned Parenthood took that time to really streamline their online services, streamline how they attract youth, how they attract clients, their methods. And then the FDA removed all regulations regarding the birth, uh, the pill forms of birth control and um, as well as abortion pills so that these can be mailed to home without even any contact. So meanwhile, we are building this app that is going to mentor youth. So one of the big things that Planned Parenthood does is they have a rude chatbot to mentor youth. And when I say mentor youth, I mean that they are confusing youth about gender euphoria, about abortion, about who they are. They're scaring them from talking to their parents and they've really kind of divulged this huge monster that now accounts for so much of the abortion industry. And with us on the, really, I would say on the horizon of seeing Roe v. Wade overturned, we have a massive project that we are going to be fighting this online abortion movement. And the best way to do it, and really the only way to do it, is going to be online. So in our whole idea of 40 Days for Life being sidewalk counselors in front of a visible clinic, we're going to have to reimagine what that will look like online. And the My Mentor app is the tool to do that. Well, you know, and that's that's that right there, that last two sentences you said sort of uh, really captures the imagination. Because as you know, um, in the last 25 years, and it's accelerated in the last maybe 10, there's been extraordinary success at sidewalk counseling. We, you know, people have learned how to, you know, we've had on um, uh, the great Bridget Van Means of, of uh, Thrive St. Louis, and she talks about, we stopped talking about the baby. When you have a woman standing there, you talk about the woman. And when you talk about the woman, then you can get to the baby. And anyway, with the success of sidewalk counseling has been extraordinary. But as you point out, um, one, two problems. One, once the Planned Parenthood folks and the pro-abortion folks realized that it was working, they had to find a way to beat it. They tried for a while to ban sidewalk counseling and ban free speech. That didn't work. Now, as you point out, they're saying, oh, well, um, let's just do chemical abortion through the mail. In fact, during the COVID crisis, uh, God help him, uh, Joe Biden, supposedly a Catholic, supposedly pro-life, uh, his administration approved emergency measures that allowed the, the abortion drugs to be mailed to people's homes. And they're making 
making that permanent. And so you're exactly right. The shift has to happen. Now, how do you, in the world of TikTok and in the world of, I mean, I have, we both have children. I mean, we're watching these children. They're inundated by, um, by neuroscience from these companies, whether it's Facebook and, and Google and YouTube and TikTok. And they're, they're not, <laughs> they're not Christian at all, but they're not even family values. How do you beat that? I, I, is it hand to hand, you know, phone to phone? Is that what you think is, is how you beat the algorithms? Absolutely. We're building the best system. And that is how we stopped abstinence education. We literally were recognized by Blue Ribbon Schools of Excellence, a federal education program for building the best video system for abstinence education that they had ever seen in 2020. And now we are building what is going to be the best app. We're not building a $10,000 app. We're building a $150,000 to $250,000 app just in the building stage. That does not include the multi-million dollar project that this is, because if we are not better than them, and I mean, I challenge people to look at Rue and look at the horror that it is. I mean, it is a diabolical demon in your phone that is waiting for your children. And we know where they are. We know the kids are on the phone. And instead of fighting that, why don't we actually take and use our good means and our instruction. So by building the My Mentor app, we're going to build training right into it. We're going to make it easy for anyone to use so that they can make a difference right from their own home. And it's a big deal. Well, we're talking with uh, Teresa Barbali again, and, and uh, she, among her hats that she's worn, I worked with Collier County, excuse me, Collier Community Absence Program, and now is Executive Director of Life, Net- Life Network of Southwest Florida. Where do people go, Teresa, to find out more about this? You mentioned that I, I was referring to the lifefunder.com, the article on this that gives a lot of the layout. Is that where you, is that where you prefer people to go look? Where can they go find out more and, and understand what's going on? That's a perfect place. So if you do lifefunder.org forward slash my mentor, you can see uh, info video that I did as well as info video and interview that Life Funder did. And it will show you the My Mentor program website and give you all the info as to what this program is and how it is the future because we have to do something now. We cannot hit this laying down. We can't arrive in June and realize, okay, we're all online and we don't have a tool to fight. What is the um, what is your timeline, Teresa? It's January uh, of 2022. You we all think there'll be some decision in June. Hopefully it'll be a big decision. Um, When do you expect or when are you shooting for to get this rolled out? We're hoping to have it in testing. We, we need $100,000 to finish our first round of build, and we want it to be in testing by the end of February so that we're actually being used in schools because right now, Planned Parenthood and online abortion is 66% of abortion. By next year, it will be higher than that. Abby Johnson wow. gave a projection at our event that she believed 90% of abortion would be through the mail and through apps in the next three years. That's wow. a big number. And there's literally nothing to fight it with. We have yeah. we have been so focused on our success that we've been unaware that they were building a backup plan. And that's what we're here to fight. Explain that one more time, Teresa, because I you did explain it and I know about it, but explain what the left or the Planned Parenthood and the pro-aborts have, have designed. Tell us, lay that out a little more clearly to understand it. It's not just that Teresa Barbali and her you know, do-gooders are saying, hey, let's reach out to people. You're saying, look, we've got a tool the other side is using that is absolutely decimating babies. And here's what it is. We've got to have something that we can reach. So tell us what that is again. Explain it in a little more detail. 
So it is a chatbot that anyone, regardless of age, sex, where you are, can go on and can talk to a Planned Parenthood sexpert or chatbot. So this chatting creation, and I have done talks where women and men have looked at this during my talk because they debated that maybe I was overselling the Planned Parenthood success. And they all agree that this is the most diabolical thing they've ever seen. And they promote abortion. They promote uh, homosexuality. They confuse children. Their goal is to confuse children. They want to create clients by getting kids away from their parents and trusting them as young as 10, 12, 13 years old. So that when they come into a crisis situation, instead of saying, Hey, mom and dad, grandma, I found out that I'm pregnant or my girlfriend's pregnant. You're turning to them. You're getting a pill in your mail and they cannot even tell how far along pregnancy wise that a girl would be. Cause it's a, it's a video chat. I mean, wow. you, you can't tell you need an ultrasound. You need a doctor. And these are not any of these things. And the advice they're giving is based on video conversation and a kid actually telling the truth and knowing hmm. what that is. And then also just realizing that these are not wholesome conversations. They're encouraging sex. They're encouraging contraception. They're encouraging our youth to exploit themselves. And they're also not giving them the whole picture of what that looks like and the benefits of abstinence for a whole lifetime. It is. Um, it's um, it's scary when you lay it out that way. And I know you're not somebody who's interested in being scary. You're interested in telling the truth. And that's, I think, why what we're seeing. Again, the website for this is go to lifefunder.com slash my mentor. And you'll see a video. Teresa Barbale, who's with us right now, is on there. Also, it'll explain what's going on and the importance of it. Uh, thank you. I know in this week, will there be lots of encu- we'll have lots of encouragement on uh, the March for Life and then Roe v. Wade, hopefully being over turned we need to be thinking about the future and so thank you Teresa, for uh coming on with us and and explaining this and being out there in the front lines on this fight thank you so much i hope that i'm bringing some good news that we are actually have a tool to fight with and that we are actually out there and we're prepared and that we are here for our you know, our community as well as the country. Yep. It's inspirational. Thank you, Teresa. All right. We have to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't be back in the saddle this week after those weeks I took off if I didn't track down my friend, Brandon Weikard on Twitter at we the Brandon at we the Brandon. He's got a good Twitter feed, so that's why I tell you that. He, of course, has uh, been on the show a number of times. His uh, his book called Winning Space: How America Remains a Superpower is on my bookshelf right across from me. It's must read uh, for people at we the Brandon. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, get his books. Winning Space is a book. Welcome, Brandon. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So thank you for coming on. First of all, I was I tell I tell people your Twitter feed's valuable, and then I got to tell you I was uh, trolling through there, and there's a photo of you working on my next book. <laughs> First of all, tell us what's the next book. And actually, I did just asked you off the air. So there's there's a next book, and maybe a next book. So tell us what you're working on. And and that when you, when I say that, Brandon, for me, you were the guy that said, hey watch space you're missing why it's important so what do you see and i know when you see things to write about you're seeing what's important so tell me what you're writing about what's the next books what's the next book 
So the next one, the second one, is called The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. It has a tentative release date uh, of fall, probably around September, October of this year. Uh, And that, as the name suggests, is all about how Iran is basically on the verge of becoming a dominant regional power in the Middle East with the help of China and Russia, and how the Biden administration in particular is squandering the victories of the previous Trump administration uh, by negating the, the Abraham Accords and by basically abandoning our traditional Israeli and Sunni Arab allies in the region to the Iranians, Russians, and Chinese. And I think mm. if we're not careful, uh, Iran not only has nuclear weapons they're building, but they have a very robust precision guided missile capability that they're proliferating to Hezbollah and Hamas, uh, as well as to Latin American countries like Venezuela, uh, in an attempt to basically better threaten Israel, the Sunni Arab states, and now the United States through Latin America. And if we're not careful, uh, if if Biden does his nuke deal, which he will, uh, basically a, a regional war will erupt between the three powers, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Israel, over Iran's place in the region. And that will lead, I fear, to a world war. Uh, hmm. And we're not ready for that. Wow. Then- uh, yeah. So that's that. Now, I, um, I'll let you tell the, tell me the other book because you mentioned the other book you're all you're starting to work on, too. So yeah, tell so me the, that. One on, the one on Twitter, that's in the infancy right now. But basically, it's all about biotechnology, what China's doing to develop biotech. I started the research for this four years ago, well before COVID was was uh, loosed from a Chinese lab. Uh, but basically, I, I've i been researching this subject. I have a lot of friends who do investments in biotech, and they've been giving me info for years. My wife used to work at NIH for Dr. Collins and even for Dr. Fauci. So I know a lot about what was going on at NIH with funding a lot of ex- exotic biotech research and development in China. And so I thought I got to write a book on this. And so right right now it's in the very early stages, but that's going to be my next book. And hopefully I can get it out in the next couple of years. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, Brandon Weikert, and uh, his uh, Twitter feed is We the Brandon. Uh, his book, that uh, the more recent book that I have on my shelf, Winning Space: How America Remains a Superpower. I noticed on Twitter, so I want to segue to this uh, this topic you just mentioned of the upcoming the research you're doing now. Um, mm-hmm. You retweeted a guy named Edward N. Lutwak uh, yeah. tw- twice, and the yeah. reason I honed in on it is because the exchange you were having was. Uh, the definition of transfer, uh, technology transfer, and yeah. what the Chinese have done in terms of they can either steal intellectual property, they can take it by, uh, you know, by, I guess, criminal behavior, or right. a lot of times they can force partners to That's become right. willing partners. Tell me about that problem. You mentioned biotech. It's a problem in, in aeronautics. It's, it's a everything. problem in everything. Yeah. Everything, tell us, yeah. Uh, tell us about that. So there's a pattern that China has developed since opening itself up to the West in the 1970s. They did this initially with our manufacturing sector, where basically they tell Western firms, hey, you know, it's a lot cheaper for you to move your operations over to China because we have a much you can pay workers less here. We don't have the same workers rights. It's all good. You'll make money and we'll we'll make uh, we'll become more modern. And so we saw this pattern from the late 70s throughout the 90s with the manufacturing sector where Western firms uprooted and gutted the American industrial Midwest and went to places like Guangzhou and elsewhere in China so that they could get the cheap labor. But in order to get 
gain access to that market in China, our companies had to basically open up their trade secrets to Chinese state enterprises and or partner with those firms. Now, the reason was because China didn't want to just be the sweatshop of the world. China wanted to learn from us and to replicate at lower costs our capabilities and then build up indigenous competitors to those Western firms. So they started out in manufacturing after they got the manufacturing sector they needed. Then they moved up the ladder to high tech innovation. And they're doing this across the board and in infrastructure and all the high tech aeronautics, space, biotech, that same pattern of of, uh, industrial theft or forcing uh, tech transfers from Western firms to Chinese ones in order to create indigenous competitors to Western firms to make China great on the world stage, more competitive. All of that has been at play for the last 40 or 50 years in China. And the problem is the West doesn't seem to understand what's going on. We think that this is just free trade, but we don't recognize that those tech transfers, that's basically, and I I talked to Senator Rand Paul back in 2019 and his staff about this. As you know, I'm a former congressional staffer. Right. And I, told, I told them, I said, listen, I said, these tech transfers that, that Google with their AI research in, in Beijing, that uh, Apple with their research in Beijing, all these Western firms, these high tech firms uh, based in America are doing tech transfers to gain access to that Chinese market. I said, look, we have to classify that as an illicit bribe under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, because we may view that as just the necessary cost of doing business in a free trade society with China. But China views that as they're going to take from us and they're going to build out at home capabilities to then knock our companies out. And our companies are too short-sighted to realize that they're creating their own competition and they will be devoured in the long run by China's state-owned entities. Uh, we're talking with Brandon Weikert and again, his uh, his uh, Twitter handle, uh, uh, excuse me, at WeTheBrandon. And um, you should you know check out his uh, books. Uh, there, one more is coming. But, uh, but who is this Edward N. Lutwak? Twice you retweeted him. He, I went to his Twitter feed and I, I, I read through. Seems really smart. Is he, is he a, 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 somebody I should have known about? I, I would say so. He is a guru. Um, he is known. He's, he's known for being a bit of a radical. He's one of my favorite guys. Uh, he wrote in the 90s a piece in foreign affairs called Give War a Chance. And he made the, <laughs> he made the argument. This was during the Balkans crisis. He said, look, uh, you know, war is terrible, but if you let war play out, like in the in Rwanda or in the Balkans, yes, a lot of people are going to die. But it tends to, if you let the war play out, usually it tends to burn itself out without needing American or Western intervention. And in the long run, if you look at Rwanda, for instance, where we didn't intervene, he said, if you look at Rwanda they actually ended up being stronger after all that bloodletting. So maybe we have to let people fight it out because war is actually a part of organic state. I'm popular opinion, but it's, yeah. I think, a legitimate one. Wow, it's interesting. I will check him out. Thank you for that. Uh, again, we're talking Brandon Weikert. Um, now, real quick, I just got about a minute and a half. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, 
a few weeks, a few months ago now, I had on the show Chris Fenton. Yeah. Who, and he wrote a book called Feeding the Dragon. Yep. And what I thought with Fenton, when, as I listened to you talk, is he described how for about a decade, maybe two decades, China needed Hollywood. So they brought him over. They paid for it. They, they learned everything they could. Right. And then they cut him off at the knees. Yeah. Isn't that basically the model? It's happened on aerospace. Yep. It's happened on internet technology. It's yeah. happened on biotech. And let me just ask you, how do you not lose if you allow that, being America? Right. I, I, well, we are losing. And our American political elite, both parties are in so deep with the Chinese entities. When I worked on the Hill, huge numbers of lobbyists would come in and meet with, with our elected leaders. A lot of those lobbyists are very high connected former staffers and they're working for lobbying firms that are being employed by Chinese state entities to influence our laws. And they're paying campaign donations to influence both political parties. And a lot of them are having influence over our media. And so we are being manipulated for decades by the Chinese communist party who are masters of manipulation. And we've allowed this to happen. So the question is, how can you fight any kind of war if your own leadership is in bed on some level with the enemy? And the answer is you can't. And so when you look at what's going on with how we're basically allowing the Chinese to drain us of all of our competitive edge, you say it must be because on some level, our own leaders have been getting too rich off the status quo and they don't want to rock the boat, no matter what they may say in public. They want to make deals with China rather than stand up to China and recognize it as the threat to our, our survival that it is. Well, I tell you, it, it, um, it, when I hear you talk, and again, uh, we're talking with Brandon Weikert, uh, whose book on, uh, on winning space is so persuasive and so important to me. Um, when I hear you say that, I, I, I probably get more depressed than not. I know you're writing a book on the subject. I mean, there's lots of ways forward. I got to run. We'll have you back on again, Brandon. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, at we, yeah, at we the Brandon. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, Winning Space is his book. Uh, it's really important stuff. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The possibility of energy shortages due to Joe Biden's war against traditional energy is pulling more people towards the pro-energy Trump policies. The president of natural gas provider Spire, Missouri, admitted that loss of natural gas services for some customers is a very real prospect. All of this is coming about because radical environmentalists allied with the Biden administration to cause a pipeline serving eastern Missouri to be shut down. A panel of three Democrat-appointed judges on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals ordered the unjustified shutdown of a new 65-mile pipeline that carries natural gas to the St. Louis area, which has no alternative source of fuel for home heating. Homes could go cold in Missouri as a result. The Spire Missouri president added, Without the pipeline in a cold winter, we don't have enough capacity in this region to serve our customers, and that's a real problem. Interference with access to energy is the result of the environmentalists who supported Kamala Harris in California and now both her and Joe Biden in the White House. The Midwest is squeezed by the leftist agenda emanating from California and other left-wing states, where cold temperatures are nothing like the deep freeze that occurs each winter in the Midwest. 
After first denying reports that the White House was considering shutting down the 645-mile pipeline delivering oil from Canada to Michigan, the White House reversed course and confirmed it is studying that possibility. This would create shortages in the Midwest and drive energy prices even higher than they already are. Increasing energy prices are the ultimate regressive tax, by the way. For the uninitiated, a regressive tax is one that tends to hurt middle class and poor Americans more than rich people. When Biden's bad policies lead to higher energy prices, you can assume that most wealthy families won't feel a substantial difference in their bottom lines. However, to millions of ordinary families who live from paycheck to paycheck, shelling out more to heat their homes and fill their gas tanks can rattle their entire financial foundation. President Biden should stop bowing to the wealthy climate change alarmists and instead focus on making life better for ordinary Americans. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And thank you, as always, uh, to our great technical director, the producer of the show, Noah Dingley. As I mentioned earlier, while I was away, Noah, along with the great Andrea Kay, uh, kept things going. Thank you, as always. Thank you to Joanna Spilger also. And please be reminded, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for all the great... Um, uh, emails was get out uh, the daily wink as well as check out all these uh, great interviews we're doing uh, let me finish by previewing and i'll come back to this when i talk to her on the radio uh but the great julie kelly i referenced earlier who has been a truly like a dog with a bone she just won't let up and she's done it for a year and no one very few people understood what she saw and how she saw it, and it's, she's performed an extraordinary service. And, of course, I'm talking about her coverage of the January 6th, 2021 uh, great insurrection, the left calls it, uh, protest is what she calls it, and I agree with her. And as you get into the details of this, uh, she's been the best. She's written about the specifics. Her, she has a new book out. She has a new book out that came out uh, just before the, the new year in December, maybe late um Late November, and Lee Smith, the extraordinary writer and uh, and smart guy uh, who wrote uh, a, th- a plot against the president, which was so extraordinary, uh, writes the introduction. It's by Bombardier Books, which is a Post Hill uh, Press imprint. And again, the book is called January Sixth: How the Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. Here's the thing I want to tell you: the book. I think it's about uh, about almost 300 pages. I'm looking 200. Yeah, just just under 300 pages. But here's the thing. There is a narrative to it. When you read it, you will be buffeted along by what's going on. But more importantly, it's a catalog of what actually happened. It's a catalog of what actually occurred and frankly, what didn't occur. And it's a rebuffing, it's a rebutting, sorry, rebutting is a better word, of the stuff you hear 
when you watch any of the mainstream uh, media, except for, say, Fox or One America News or, or Newsmax, if you listen to them closely, and some of them, they don't cover it much. They move on to other stuff. You know, it doesn't look like they want to spend too much time on it. But if you listen to CNN or MSNBC, and half the country does, they come away with a set of facts that are just not true. They're lies. And Julie Kelly's book, January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right, Bombardier Books, it goes through the facts. It marches you through. It talks about who the people are. And here's where it gets interesting. After about a year of doing this work, she's kind of winning the day. Julie Kelly has almost single-handedly forced the re-evaluation of the lies of the mainstream media, the fake news. So, for example, the question of who is Ray Epps, she was asking that question six months ago. The question of of who shot Ashley Babbitt, the one person killed that day, unarmed woman, uh, Air Force veteran. Julie Kelly has been asking the question. The questions around the January 6th prisoners being held in Washington, D.C., she's been asking those questions for nine months. And by asking the questions and laying out what she's seen and heard, and she's listened in on almost every hearing of every one of the January 6th defendants, the hearings where they go and sometimes they plead guilty, sometimes it's evidentiary hearings, sometimes it's uh, preliminary hearings. She sat through all of them and she's just laid out the sort of mosaic of what's gone on. And when you have, if you've ever seen a mosaic, you know, the very famous mosaics are in uh, St. Louis in what's called the New Cathedral. It was finished in 1910. The old cathedral was built in like 1820 down by the water, down by the arch. Uh, But the New Cathedral, finished in 1910, has some of the most extraordinary mosaics in the world outside of Italy. Ravenna's got the most famous mosaics. But anyway, um, you stand in St. Louis... In the old cathedral, in the new cathedral, and look up at the ceiling, you see literally tens of thousands of tiny pieces of colored stone that are put together in such a way that you you see what's gone on. That's what Julie Kelly did. And when they write the history of this period, they will write about Julie Kelly putting all those pieces together in a way that we could see the truth. Some of us thought we knew the truth, but you couldn't really see it until she did it. It's a great service, so check check out her book. Again, thank you for uh, everything to Noah Dingley, Andrea Kay, especially Joanna Spilger. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.